And we are back just a few days after our last episode. So this one we are considering episode 11 and a half because we have more of the Imagineering story to talk about. And But before that, um, welcome back to the Once Upon a Stream podcast. I'm Maddie Shook. I'm Megan Mann. And so the world is freaking out. Yep. I don't know if there's any other way to say that. To reference Devil Wears Prada, we're trying to avoid being an incubus of a viral plague. (laughs) (laughs) But literally. But literally. But literally. Okay. And so, um, the biggest thing on that of while we're in this conversation of talking about Disney theme parks, OMG, all of the parks are shut down literally and this is already after tokyo and shanghai and hong kong had already been closed because they've been closed for several weeks because right honestly it was kind of the first indicator for me of like oh crap this corona thing something this is real this is serious because like disney likes its money a lot a lot a lot a lot we love the mouse, but the mouse, the mouse, the mouse likes paid. its monies. Yeah. There's a Rihanna song that Mickey would enjoy singing. Oh, but... yes. And even though it has nothing to do with Disney, if you haven't seen the video of like everyone in Naples standing outside on their balcony singing said Rihanna song, you need to see it because it's, it, it's, it's a manip, but they used audio from like a concert but it's it's still a delightful meme that that has now become of using like concert footage for the italy balconies but i live back on track though i do so getting back on track on that that was of realizing if they're willing to take the financial hit truly of like shutting down park operations for weeks and especially for the international ones this is going to be closer to months at this point that that shows that this is something to be reckoned with and so now it is reaching the u.s of that level of ish getting real and so um just a couple days ago when we were actually recording was it when we were recording mm-hmm. the last episode or yeah, just no, directly after it? Yes. Yeah, so that was in one day or like in the morning, they finally announced that Disneyland was going to be shut down. And then by that afternoon, they announced that that counted for Disney World as well. And Disneyland Paris. Yes. And Paris. Yes. And so all of them. this is going and this is as of right now, it is still through the end of the month. Just two weeks through the end of the month. However... CDC just announced like no more than alert, 50 limiting no gatherings of 50 people for the next eight weeks so this could go longer which is scary because the last just to put things in perspective we need to put things in perspective the last time this happened was September 11th 2001 it is 2020 <laughs> In 19, in 19 years, it has not even, hurricane season, we're open, guys. Come on in. We good. Like, we're, we good. Until we're getting wiped out, literally, until those waves start crashing into us, we're good. We're open. Yeah. We're ready to go. You want some Dole Whip? Here you go. 
and so yeah that they've they've stayed strong like the castle's hurricane proof we got this all all that jazz we're good but honestly disneyland this is the longest the park has been shut down in 57 years that's the whole that's like almost the whole thing just so we're clear basically because now the whole thing yeah so we're getting close to about like 65 years for the park yeah yep Yep. so just to put the majority of its its life Mm -hmm. just to put things in perspective yeah so this is very interesting we will see what happens i am happy for the most part that disney is doing the right thing of taking care of its cast members of that they're paying them still paying them still it is huge that the college program is getting sent home and so that craziness that but also not surprising that the park closure is going to be longer than just two weeks yeah that they're going to announce a further delay on this so we will see how that affects like new projects because avengers campus was supposed to open this summer in california and different stuff like that but i don't see how that's there's probably going to be some delays in pushing stuff out like new stuff in epcot was opening this summer Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah they were heavily under construction at epcot for a new hotel yeah there's the ratatouille ride yeah the last month that i was there at the ratatouille ride that it still looked under very early stages in construction so i was still even then before all this kind of went down i was skeptical about them meeting their deadline and so now for sure it's not happening although to be fair throughout this because we're going to bring it back to i'm going to bring it back to this documentary right now to be fair it's been proven that they will run up until the very last moment possible but they will get it done they've proven Mm -hmm. they can wait they can keep going not that like you know i think this will happen now like i don't think oh if they have this break that they'll make the deadline i mean before that they they kind of proved that they could do it but now this throws a wrench in that we will see as far as how things shake out that this is historic for disney and how that's happened and likewise outside of the park stuff just in terms of disney plus because that's what we talk about here um i am very curious to see if any of the delayed theatrical releases because people are delaying their releases because people aren't going out to theaters so mulan's already been delayed did they announce black widow yet i don't think so but mulan for sure mulan for sure and then i bet they're gonna just dump artemis fell onto streaming because was it really gonna do well in theaters but it's gonna be interesting to see how all of that shakes out because it might be an entire basically the rest of the year's slate pushed out further Mm -hmm. or like depending on which ones get to stay of like how long this is going to last and how soon until things get back to normal obviously this is a very human issue and the biggest priority is like minimizing how many people are affected by this and like wanting to minimize the loss of life here but just there are ramifications through every single industry my job has had it 
Megan's job has been affected by it. Deeply affected by it. Yeah. And so... My job is closed for a month. At already. Just... Just already. That doesn't even... If this keeps going, it could be longer. I'm in retail, so apparently people still need to buy things. I work at school, so... Yeah. So I'm just washing my hands a lot that... I've been going through some classic pop for the 20 seconds that it takes to wash your hands. I've thrown in some Disney songs. Mm-hmm. How Far I'll Go is a great one to do for that, mm-hmm. um, among many others. But yeah, this is going to be huge. In my opinion, if I were in either the Bob's shoes, Chapek or Iger, <laughs> that. Um, I would say the best move for Disney Plus would be with some of these big movies that they're releasing. I think Mulan still has the chance to be so theatrically huge. I agree. That they just need to delay it until that can be its moment. Because the other live action remakes have all made over a billion dollars. And so you can't pass that up. And with with the the parks being down for a long time, they're going to need some good revenue making stuff. But I think it would be very interesting if they do, I think Black Widow is kind of the perfect candidate, almost following Amazon Prime's example of um, having a big release like an MCU movie on the streaming platform, not just dumping it on streaming because it's still a big enough deal, but making it like a pay-per-view thing where you still have your baseline for the subscription and stuff, but you do have some some top shelf like new titles that are coming through that you pay $4.99 to watch and so that's how they can still make their money on that kind of thing but partially because the momentum for Natasha Romanoff since this is kind of a little bit of a too little too late we're doing a like solo movie on a character in canon that's already dead um yeah there's less goodwill for the star of the film and because of various foot and mouth moments in the press and all that jazz of just where things are right now, I'm not sure that Black Widow is going to be the gigantic theater theatrical juggernaut that they're I just wanting. I don't think it is. That I think it's going to be good because there's Florence Pugh and Rachel Weiss and David Harbour. Duh. And they're all, all fantastic. But when I found out I, I think it was going to be, be in it, I just like started screaming. I was like, because <laughs> I love her. We do. And her eyebrows. <laughs> and but I, I think it would best suit like the streaming platform, especially since we are going to have these new streaming shows launching like directly tied into the MCU and all of that. That for for Marvel, that would be a great way to kind of kick off that phase with a big like canon mcu movie mm-hmm. and so i think that's a good move I, I don't think like there haven't been enough rumors to actually like think that's actually going to happen but that's me spitballing here yeah but we'll see how this shakes out it's is kind of interesting of how this is all going to be affected in like entertainment slash theme park news stuff but can we focus on the most important thing that disney did for us 
they put Frozen 2 on Disney Plus three months early because of this difficulty. Yes, they're like, you're going to be quarantined with your children. Here's Frozen 2. You know what? Forget it. We're not going to wait three months like we thought. We didn't want the DVD sales. Forget it. You guys can have it. Just here. Just have it. You guys it. need this. <laughs> like, for real, though. You guys absolutely need Frozen 2. Here you go. Go ahead and take it. We're not even pressed anymore. Like, that's another thing. That's another good indicator that Disney's like, oh, forget these DVD sales. Just have it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know you'll buy it anyway for, like, car rides yeah. and stuff. But So in one weekend, they gave us Frozen 2 and Rise of Skywalker. They're just like, here, have some some new releases for quarantine. We because, feel bad you're quarantined. Because we want you to use Disney Plus during quarantine and not Netflix. Because there's only so many times you can watch Love is Blind. I mean, just saying. So, we will definitely be covering Frozen 2 a lot sooner than expected. A lot so sooner than expected. So, look forward to that. <laughs> but let's get back on track here. So, w- last episode, we talked about the first three episodes of the Imagineering story. So, now we are getting into episodes four through six. And so, basically, this is covering pretty much mid-90s to the present of what that looks like for Imagineering. And so there's some highs and there's some lows, and we're going to get into all that good stuff. Agreed. And so first off, one of the big, like, so the next episode is called Hit or Miss, and because that is very much true of once you kind of hit that post-94 moment, that some mm-hmm. things do fantastically and some things are well epic fails and in, in. we'll just put in it plainly and so because there's kind of a bit of a paradigm shift uh, like we kind of talked about how the big cliffhanger flop last episode is corporate people saying like we're not a theme like theme parks aren't what we do anymore so what are they going to do well Eisner had the idea of, you know, the cruise business is very successful, and I think Disney would be very well fit for that. And so this is kind of the first time that we get to take a glimpse of how Disney and Cruise Line came to be. And so because the Disney Magic, the first ship that came out in 96, I believe. I think so. And then wonder was like the following year and so it's so crazy to look at when you see the construction thing that they built the ship in two halves and then welded the two halves so basically chopped right down the center like it's a piece of bread and then they just weld it together two halves of a gigantic ship that is so crazy to think about of just like so weird the care and the engineering and all of that that needs to go into it and it's so like I love the touches that were really special for Imagineering story of getting into those behind the scenes moments so they're getting into there were a lot of pitches that they really kind of opened up of what is it what does a Disney cruise ship look like and there were some wild (laughs) choices I like the one that basically looks like a giant rubber duck oh I know how did you think that was actually going to get made into a cruise ship? Who knows? So <laughs> finally, they're like, no, we need, we need to go classic. And so, because a lot of times if you think about it, and like Disney Parks aesthetic, 
just kind of classic architecture, whether it's like that turn of the century look for Main Street or just that old Hollywood feel for um, Hollywood Studios, that kind of thing. Those are the things that Disney does fantastically. And so they do kind of go that like Art Deco, like kind of the Queen Mary ship or like Huey 2, that that kind of look mm-hmm. for just that kind of old fashioned steamliner. And which I like. And they, of course, and of course, they point out that they're like, we just thought what's really nice colors, blue or black, black, red and gold, which is also Mickey. And I was like, it still has those little touches, which like, how do you not realize that that's Mickey? Those are his colors. It's so wonderful. And I've been obsessed. I've with the Disney Cruise Line. Um, I remember when I was a little kid that I was about like seven or something and there they did a documentary special on on the Disney magic when Disney Cruise Line first became a thing on so it was a travel channel documentary and gave like a behind the scenes look of everything that went into it and the design and all the cool features and stuff because when this first came out it was like the biggest ship with the most stuff because for like Really, it was the first time of really a paradigm shift in that industry because I used to be in the travel industry as well of like cruising being something for families mm-hmm. and not just people who want to get away from either kids. either older couples or folks who want to get wasted. Yeah. And but with this, they made it a fully Disney experience and that there's those creative touches throughout and that they're like, yeah, we're going to do like mini Broadway shows. And so like for perspective, you know, who got their start on the Disney cruise line? Hmm. One Miss Jennifer Hudson. Did I know that already? I don't know if you knew that. I don't know. There's some old video of her singing Beauty and the Beast on the ship. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Imagine being on a cruise and you just hear like Jennifer Hudson just killing your favorite Disney songs but that the entertainment's great and that and this is true pretty much all the other cruise lines the like kids area they just kind of have one spot for the kids of just literally all children from basically in the nursery until like 17 that if you want to dump your kids off there they're all in one location and Disney's like well that's not a good idea so it's you have these little zones for per age group that really cater and create this awesome entertainment so then the adults can just enjoy the pool or relax in the spa and then that they created Castaway Key was their own island in the Bahamas and so they were able to kind of create continue that Disney experience off the ship as well I love that when they were like look normally I that was one of my favorite things where they were like we normally see cruise ships and there's like one area for kids and it's supposed to be all kids and then here it's like the whole ship is made for kids basically yeah and so they have those great zones and just the they made it much like the original goal of Disneyland they made it somewhere that families can just enjoy their vacations together oh yeah and so that Let's be real, ever since, like, seven-year-old Maddie first watched that Travel Channel documentary, mm-hmm. I've wanted to go on a Disney cruise. That has not yet happened. Has I not have happened cruised. for me either. 
but I, I've already made it known that's what I want for my 30th birthday. So fingers crossed that we'll see that a few years down the line because getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but they did announce in terms of like of the imaginary things to come that so there is a new cruise ship that is currently being built and then they're also doing a they bought a new island which they're going to oh, like theme and do all of that and it is in charge by mr joe roadie who <gasps> we'll be talking about very shortly no. so it's literally roadie island that's instead the best of, thing i've ever sorry heard. wordplay not instead of rhode island it's roadie island that's it's gonna have its own fancy name it's like lighthouse key or something but oh, to me, that it will fancy. always be roadie island yeah so I'm probably going to wait until if if I'm throwing down for it, I want to check out the new island. So yeah, it's just so crazy. They they bought an island because they're Disney. I mean, the Disney cruise line is always packed. So and so they were like, yeah, that was one of the things where other stuff was still up in the air, but that was successful right off the bat. And oh my God, I it love totally that makes so sense. Much. <laughs> and I love uh, when Wing Chow was just kind of going over. It had that spirit of imagineering when you first talked to like Bob Gurr of like, well, this, I was a car guy and now I have to design a roller coaster. This guy was like, I'm an architect. I do buildings. Buildings don't float. <laughs> of He's like, just got put in charge of like, you're designing a cruise ship now. And so <laughs> went through all of that. And then that it's so interesting that the one like steam tower only one of them is functional there's two on it to kind of have still the look of like a queen mary type thing and also just the symmetry it just looks better to have two so they're like yeah one of them is just a complete and total facade <laughs> fine but it's those touches where they're like yeah we we need it to look this specific way and so it's just so cool and then this really is such a wild time of contrast in like the Disney Imagineering time frame because you have that and then you have like Disney Regional Entertainment, which is this big idea that Michael Eisner has of just like, we're just going to do smaller stuff throughout the country to kind of give those like mini parks experiences to other people. Because as we said, he is full of ideas, full of ideas, full of ideas, and they're not all great. Not all great, and he didn't have <laughs> Frank to tell him this is stupid. And yeah, which was a big thing where he was just like, "If I believe we talked about it in the last episode where he was like, no, no, that was stupid. No, don't. And so, like, you had, like, ESPN Zone, it's just, it's a sports restaurant. Like, that's fairly unoriginal, but it was a safe bet. So you had Club Disney, which was a very short-lived kind of Disney's answer to Chuck E. Cheese and so that mm. there is a very interesting Defunct Land video on that highly recommend um, but then the biggest thing out of Disney regional entertainment is Disney Quest yes which I'm sad there was one here in Chicago which and I resident never Chicago in and I did never did you ever went. go no I didn't and I'm <gasps> so sad because it was I think it was something that we always talked about doing, and then by the time it came around to going, it was closed. It became lame, yeah. yeah. But it's it sounded great. Yeah. It was just... Well, the problem was, 
it was just a little bit too soon. Because mm-hmm. now if you think about experiences like the void and that kind of thing, that's what they were going for. It mm-hmm. just wasn't there yet, you know? And so, like, they were like, you're going to do VR experiences and all this stuff is super high tech and all that thing. Because there was, like, there was a VR, like, Aladdin magic carpet ride thing, which mm-hmm. apparently made everyone sick. <laughs> and so, <laughs> of just, like terrible and then some stuff that's like barely disney themed and all that but it was one of those things where like this is also 90s is pretty like this is kind of kicking off a boom for like video game development and video Mm. games really getting into like their heyday yeah and all of that and so the other gaming systems and stuff was so quickly technology can just move so fast that you have to really keep investing in it to keep up and they just didn't but that's what they so, said in the documentary, too. They're like, when once we finally get a ride up and running, that's already old news. Like, the technology that we created is already behind. Yeah. So they're like, we're constantly having to keep up with that. So you have to constantly update and plus things up and all of that. Mm-hmm. But then this is just a time when they are being, like, the purse strings are tight. And so they're just not getting approval for stuff. So once it's there, it's there. Because in the initial, like, promises and stuff, they're like, we're going to update this, like, every two years and, like, do all this cool things. And they're like, yeah, no. No. So pretty much when it opened in, like, the mid-90s to when it closed in, like, 2005 or something like that, that, so the Chicago one closed, like, early 2000s. And then Mm -hmm. the the Orlando location in downtown Disney literally limped along to like 2016 or something outrageous like that. But it just was left out to die. And so it's just so interesting. You have so many creative people, but when they're just given such a tight leash to work with and the Imagineering's, the Imagineers are just so talented, but they're just like, we just weren't given like what we needed to succeed and so things failed they really did but then on the other hand on the flip side you get animal kingdom (gasps) okay and animal kingdom it's one of those things that it took a little bit to age into itself and the it has smartly expanded in the right ways, but Animal Kingdom is still one of my favorite parks because it's just, it's so unique and there's so much thought and care put into it. And most of that is due of kind of the star Imagineer who gets highlighted, you know, last episode during this era, like similar era, we talked about Tony Baxter a ton, but this is time for Joe Rohde. Oh my god, I'm so excited. And like you said, Joe Rohde, you magnificent weirdo. Right? And this is, you were saying this is one of your favorite parks. I only just now, after my trip here just in January, have a better appreciation for Animal Kingdom. I have a very intense fondness for it now. I don't know why I didn't before. Um, but now I'm just, I feel very strongly towards it. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure why. I think, okay, let me rephrase this. I think I know why I didn't like it before. And it comes down to one thing that they so kindly neglected to discuss because it gives me nightmares still. I hate It's a Bug's Life. Ah, uh, yes. I hate it so much. I don't like when things are coming down from the ceiling, coming at me from both sides. I feel it under my seat. I feel it under my feet. I don't like it. Get off me. Don't touch me. I don't like it. I don't like so it So that at kind all. of the in theater, honey, I shrunk the audience. But into a bug. Situation. But not your jam. Well, I, you know what? I used to love Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That was one of my favorite because I always knew when um, the mice were about to come out your feet. So I pulled my feet up so I couldn't feel it. But with this, I just I had no idea what I was going into when I went up, when I went to watch this. I had no idea what it was. I was so excited because it was in the Tree of Life, which I think is one of the most beautiful things Disney has ever done. I think the Tree of Life is truly incredible. And I... I don't know. I think I just got so traumatized. Because I think besides the Paris Castle, Tree of Life is my favorite icon. It's just so beautiful. And I like literally could not stop taking pictures of it from like every angle this time. Because I'm like, how do you not think this is one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen? It's so cool. It's like all these animals. So, But now after going this time, I think... Knowing that I never had to do Bugs Life again if I didn't want to, <laughs> and all of that. It's a skippable attraction, and yeah. it is one of those things where even Animal Kingdom had some like budgety stuff that they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, originally it was going to be like part of Animal Kingdom was still following like yesterday today like fantasy future stuff so they had you know your safari and like so the africa and the asia area and all like the cool animal stuff and to really highlight all these concepts of the animal kingdom but the fantastical element there was going to be an entire land called beastly kingdom and it was going to have like this cool maze like this garden maze that had like unicorns and stuff and there was a big roller coaster that was going to take you into a dragon's lair and then like all this super rad stuff and they didn't have the budget for it so it was either that or dino land usa which is like oh it'll be like a kitty area kind of carnival ride stuff but with dinosaurs right but i was i'm into that i'm into that but like let's focus but they're like that that's that's less money so we'll we'll green light that one and so that was kind of lost to time but there's just there's so much cool stuff and and we need to talk about how one of my favorite things about this episode was that it had Jane Goodall in there. And I want to talk about how it was very difficult for them to... Because there's that fine line between, like, a reserve and a zoo. Yeah. And they, like... But they take such good care of these animals. And, like, I think... Because I would have never guessed this, because I'm sure you wouldn't have guessed this either, but, like, the way they hide stuff that we can't see, like, there are air conditioners to blow on the lions, we can't see them because they're built into the scenery. And that's something, too, where, of, like, the park gets better with age, is they put in so much lush, like, trees and landscapes and all of that that's really just grown into it, 
that has made just every every corner that you turn is just gorgeous. Oh my god, and it is the most beautiful thing on the planet. I did it like at eight in the morning this last time, and I was like, the way the sunlight is hitting these trees right now is just really doing it for me. <sighs> it's beautiful. And so they learned a lot of lessons because I realized we skipped over. So another fail product of just that there was going to be this American history park in Mm -hmm, the DC DC. area called Disney's America. And um, they kind of first came into it of like had their big pitch and things before they had really consulted like the historic, like academics in the historical community and stuff. And there was a lot of flack and so much battle in the press and all of that, that Oh, that turned it, around. It just on became them really just fast. not worth it, and so they they learned their lesson. And so this time, when they went with Animal Kingdom, that they're like, "Yeah, in order to do this, we need to do it right, and we need to have like some good experts on our side, like fighting for us too. If we if we're gonna make this happen, right? And so they got like Jane Goodall to be like, "Okay, so if this is a huge project in that." In, in terms of like spreading the word about like different species and conservation and all of these good things, Disney has such a huge platform and can make that kind of change. But in order for them to best do that, people like her and different scientists and experts, they need to work in tandem of right. just making sure that this big company is doing things the right way. And they're not like making it so that there's going to be an issue with the animals because when you go on the safaris, right, you're driving through and there it's seamless. Like you can't tell that there are barriers in between any of these animals. It looks very natural. Um, you know, but they, she even says, she said they made it so that they're separated, but you can't tell that they like all of the areas give the animals plenty of space. They do. And also make it so that they can't get eaten by other animals. That too. <laughs> like that's Because that's an important thing. You have these cheetahs. You have zebras. You have... The, which cheetahs will literally attack zebras in 20 seconds. Cheetahs will eat anything. Lions will eat anything. So to have these animals separated but make it look like they're not... That it just has this continuous flow, and you are, like, driving in, basically, SUVs that are open air just all, all through that area. Right. And so you get to experience it up close, and so it's a new experience every single time. And oh, so, I've had a rhino, like, up next to the the car. Like, we just, the, it just walked right up to the side of our car, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, that's a rhino, and it's right next to me. I once, there was a giraffe that got close enough that it was within just like a few inches from me being able to reach out and touch it. It's crazy, but it's so cool because they want it to be like that. In that sometimes you just have to wait a little bit because there will just be animal just chilling in the road. You just got to hang out for a little while. And they're like, well, we're just going to let this guy do its thing. So they and, uh, so they learned from that mistake of Disney America where they were like or Disney USA whatever where they're like oh we weren't consulting oh, we're Disney, the right we, people we know what we're doing and it's all good it'll be fine to, we got this totally to, fine okay like we need to talk to like truly experts in their field to make sure this we're is actually coming out doing right. this right yeah right and we we need to talk about what 
Joe Rohde did in terms of the landscape of Animal Kingdom because he he went on so many um, getting to see like his trips. home movies and, and stuff yes! of like that the was travels. so cool. So he literally went all over the world, everywhere to, do research to for make this. sure that it looked authentic. The sights, the sounds, the smells, all of that of like keeping it where you feel fully immersed and you feel like you're somewhere like different in a completely different part of the world and so like in the Harambe village area that you feel completely transported and so that and it's just it's so fun to hear him talk of just that he puts so much thought into stuff and so he's a little quirky oh yeah but that but just so brilliant and Joe Rohde has a very specific way of talking that he was getting into the area of Rambe Village of this is about economy, this is about lifestyle, this is about all these things where, you know, you use these different materials for the building and like, because this is all they have and it's just so funny of, there's just this specific rhythm of just getting to see these just supremely talented people just talking about what they care about and just being so good at what they do that's that's what i love about this series is oh, just I really know. getting just to revel in that of just that these guys are just so awesome literally so, uh, so awesome and like just listening to him talk about like the way the paint needs to look just the way it needs because he said if you go to these the smallest villi- details and stuff yeah because the smallest details are what sell it if you don't have those smallest details, if you only focus on the big details, no one's going to buy it. Absolutely yeah, no one is going like to buy it. there's like random telephone wires and stuff just hanging around in, in like that village area. But it gives, that's what, that's, he traveled to those places. So he's like, that's what it looks like there. So that's that what is what like. we're making. You have Does the peeling have- paint. You have the rundown looking buildings. You have all of this stuff. And if it's, and if you don't, if we don't make it that it way. It looks lived in. Yes, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's it's that simple. Exactly. That it's just you have to put in the effort into it to make it believable or they won't believe it. And so that's where we see in some of these other projects that where it's not full effort and so the audiences aren't down for it. Right. And so... Then they're like, the next big idea of what we need to do, Disneyland needs a second gate. And so there's all these ideas that come out. Um, there was going to be kind of a, like, Disney seaport. That that was going to be in Long Beach, California. So actually in a completely different city um, than where Disneyland is at. And so that was literally going to be, like, on the port. But... Hmm that like that got nixed and then there was westcott which was going to be kind of a variation of epcot but in the and west coast just on the west coast and but it, it was going to be like where they wanted to create these different zones that were where you got to really just kind of live in and experience these areas and so where you would have like hotels in the park so you could kind of like stay in the piazza and just kind of roam the streets at night with like restaurants open late that kind of thing and because this was a big concept from tony baxter Mm -hmm. and where you would have this 
like cruise around the world thing where it was a 45 minute boat ride that you could just kind of get on and off at different points and just to like explore all the different areas of the park and when like it is very interesting of just this guy with so many ideas that turn into great things but this is the one that he holds on to of like he even that says didn't that. happen. He says that, that in the like, documentary, he's like, I'm going to hold on to this for forever. That it didn't work out. He said that's number one on my list of things that I'm upset that they didn't work. Yeah. I've just said some things don't become a, like a huge smash and the, you don't get the green light all the time. And so they just say wouldn't have had the budget to really make that work. Right. So you get Disney's California Adventure. Because what they were trying to kind of model is so in Florida, you get like the multi-day vacationer that they're just experiencing everything they need all in that one area. Whereas California, a lot of times if people go to vacation in California, they'll do like a day or two tops at Disney and then do other California things. Right. Do a Hollywood tour, go to the beach like check out wine country that kind of stuff and so they're like what if we kind of encapsulate all of california into one park and so that concept unto itself isn't inherently bad it's just that like there were some things that were just kind of uninspired and so one of the another like huge bummer of like things that could have been because Disney's California Adventure had one of literally the all-time worst attraction to ever be in a Disney park, which was Superstar Limo. It it was atrocious. Oh god, that looks so It's so bad. it was so hokey. <laughs> but essentially what had happened the original concept was like, "Oh, you're late for a pr- movie premiere and you need to get in a limo and get there fast." So and it's the paparazzi kind of are a, chasing you. It was going to be a variation of like Rock and Roller Coaster. Right. But, oh, and that's the paparazzi exactly what were I thought immediately. I was yeah. like, oh, so rock and roller coaster? But like movies Hollywood themed yeah. instead of music. But that would have been amazing. But right after it, because of like the paparazzi chase element, then... It was right after were, Diana had died. It was right after Diana had died that they were still in development phases. And so they're like, yeah, we can't do that. And so... Then they kind of nixed it and were like, what if we just make it a dark ride? But at this point, they were so close to the deadline of the park opening itself that they're like, we need attractions. Because original DCA was very light on attractions. There weren't that many rides. Like, barely at all. And so um, they're like, okay, we just need to crank it out, get it done. And so you have these cheesy animatronics of these, like, caricatures of celebrities that just look terrible and basically it was whoever worked at abc at the time those were the celebrities that were picked and who we can get but it's cheesy it's hokey and it's just because imagineering is capable of so much and people experience it and know and love so many great attractions that disney has a higher standard in themed entertainment and so when it doesn't hit the mark audiences will let you know that they're they're not going to buy it they're not going to take it they expect better mm-hmm. and that was true that because you had like the sun icon the like the big just metal sculpture of a sun with so the like ugly. face on it so god that i love what i think it's kevin rafferty said of just like 
this doesn't look like an icon for a Disney park. It looks like something that's in front of a mall in Newport Beach. Right. No shade to Fashion Island, which actually Fashion Island would never put something so tacky there. But that's what they said. They said that nothing about from the outside was inherently Disney. It wanted to, it was Disney, but not. Exactly. They just were like, it was Diet Disney, basically. Like where you water it down and it just, so then you just don't have the flavor. Right. It's, it's the Dr. Thunder, (laughs) you know, the... (laughs) The store brand, like cereal in a bag at the bottom. That's not the same situation. And so, yeah, people didn't respond great. And, like, the reviews were terrible. Like, so they got bad press from it. And ticket sales weren't that popular. And so, because it was before they were even really doing, like, the park hopper. So you had to, like, buy basically two separate tickets back then, too. Right. People are just like, yeah, I'm not going to spend a full day here when Disneyland is literally across the way? No. And so they're, they had to step it up a little bit. So, because Disneyland or DCA opened in 2001. And I remember being like mildly pleased by it. I like, I like the swings that were in the big orange, but which is now like Mickey Mouse themed. They took away the orange. And so it has more of like one of the Mickey shorts, kind of that vibe, but it wasn't like super impressive until Soren came. Soren was the cool attraction from that. Oh, listen, we are both so very, very fond of Soren, and specifically the original iteration, Soren over California, is where it's at. So great, because. Like, I still like the new updated where it's Soren. It's just Soren, and it's all around the world. And they did need to do the update of like just higher, like great quality video footage and stuff. But it was such an ambitious project for its time, of where they did kind of like the cameras on the crane shots of like over these like because California is just filled with so many like gorgeous natural wonders. Oh, absolutely. And so to like take you through all of that and to have that kind of that hang glide where you feel your feet dangling and that I also highly, the Jerry Goldsmith score for Soren is just, it's so gorgeous. And just, I, I often put it like on in my car when I just need to like chill out for a bit and just kind of get to my like Zen happy place of just, if work is stressful, all of that, just kind of put on, like, that orchestral theme, and you feel better by the end of it. But it's one of those where it's not necessarily thrilling in that, like, bringing you to death, like, that kind of skirting with it, like, a high-paced roller coaster or, like, some of the other e-tickets. But the thrill is just in, like, the magic of it all, of just that it's just really stimulates your senses of getting to see all these great things and then they add like some of the smells of like oh my when god they pump out the oranges oh my god it is one of my favorite parts about riding soren is that when you can like feel the wind like they put the wind on you and or um you can feel like you smell it oh my god the smells are my favorite in disney world at epcot it's where soren is at and the smell in tahiti Oh my god. 
Oh my god. Yeah. And they used to have the Orange Grove in Disney World, but now they don't. They've replaced it with like the safari yeah. and with the grass. Because they and still stuff. use the California footage when it, they originally put it in Epcot too. I love the and Orange so, Grove though. The Orange Grove smell. <sighs> you had the Orange Grove smell and then you had so the pine bad. smell when you were in Yosemite. Yes! And then they oh. had like a like a ocean spray when you were going over the ocean. Oh, I know. And my one of my favorite things is there. Um, oh my God, I can't remember what the company is called. It's in downtown. It's in Disney Springs. Sorry, it's Disney Springs now, not downtown Disney. But um, there's a company that sells those scents from Soren. Oh my god, I gotta yes, find so, I have one. Because there's like the official one that does it there, but there's also... There's um, some Etsy ones too. There's some Etsy ones. Well, the thing... Not that... We're not sponsored. It's not SponCon. We're not. But, <laughs> um, Magic Candle Company. Yes! I highly recommend. That's what I have in... So they have like sends from throughout the parks so including soren other attractions they've got some of the hotel proper like the hotel properties too and so right now we have the dole whip smell going on in my apartment which is pretty awesome the official one is bows b-o-w-e-s that's the one they sell in downtown disney disney springs god it's it's like mgm i know i we grew up on too much of the name to really change it at this point. I know it's really bad. <laughs> sorry, I'm it so is sorry. What it is. <laughs> but like the rides, it's one. Once again, that was another one where they were completing, com, like making a completely new ride system. And oh yeah, and it's genius what they do too. It's genius what they do with it, and so that helped. But it's still, it just wasn't quite there. But I love once again just getting into the contrast of it when they're talking about when like the imagineers are going to lunch and so these california adventure there there's attractions that they're like sort of excited about but not really and they have so much budget stress to have to worry about and so then the like teams that are working on california adventure then touch base with the tokyo disney sea team who has no budget of like well no budget limit of just that they get to do whatever they want. And just of like, just a little bit of resentment that just hits you deep of, <laughs> yeah, we, we're not going to talk to you about this because th- that's lame that you get to do all the fun stuff, basically. Because, so Tokyo Disneyland was super successful right off the super bat. And at this successful. point, they've been successful for decades. And so they're like, we want another park. Because why so, not? And to really expand on this. And they're like, okay, how about like a world showcase? And they're like, no. No, absolutely not. We don't need that. Hollywood studio tour? No. no. Animal park? Nah. No. And they're like, we want our own thing. So what and did they do? They created Tokyo Disney Sea. Because there's Disneyland. So now there's Disney Sea. Of course. Because there's Disney World and Disneyland. But now we need a sea. And so it's theme you have like seven different lands so there are the seven seas and they're like we want all of it we want your full creativity at highest base as much ip as we can get because at this point this is full renaissance so they're like we want like ariel and all this cool stuff and so they didn't really touch on it during this part of the documentary but there is an atlantica 
Mm. And so the, like, the castle, like, the land of the Little Mermaid. And so it's entirely underground. So you get to just, like, immerse yourself in it. Well. Yeah. How dare they leave that out? It's gorgeous. Because, like, some of the Disney influencers that I follow, like, when they go, once I got to see pictures for it, it's just sublime. And so you just, you they got to create new technologies and do all this cool stuff. And one of the really remarkable things is that <gasps> it's right wow. on the water. This is gorgeous. Oh, you're Googling pictures? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know. <gasps> wow. So I recommend <gasps> do a Google Tokyo Disney Sea. And, and it's got like Atlantica. a teacupsy type ride. Oh, <gasps> And some really great snacks. I mean, we could talk 400 years about the snacks in the Disney parks, but we'd be here for too long. Oh my god, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Okay, I'm sold. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm sold. But like that, like their big icon, so they have a volcano that like actually breathes out like fire. And then at night, there's through like the LED backlit stuff that there's lava and it's just, it looks super realistic and it's just so cool. And there's still like the burn where they kind of create, like just shift the land up to kind of block out the rest of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. but they kind of almost like a basically super sized scale of an infinity pool that they have that where they're able to get for the eyeline that you have the water just kind of drops off and continues into your eyeline that leads to the Pacific. So like there's this one water ride that you're on where it looks like you're going around that it, it could take you all the way out to the ocean. And so that there's just so much cool stuff involved and that the, like the team that was a part of it, they really just got to completely stretch themselves because even though the rest of like Disney is it's basically a time of austerity and like creative limitations they just get to, got to let their creativity run wild and yeah so you have like these groundbreaking attractions like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Journey to the Center of the Earth which recommend looking at the ride throughs on those and so it's definitely on my list to check out and so that's why when I eventually do like a Tokyo Disney trip that it's going to be several days because I need multiple days in both parks to really just kind of enjoy it all oh I know there have been two people who have texted me today and both of them have said they had watched the Imagineering story because of our last episode and I had already told one of my friends that when I back in January I was like oh my god Disneyland Shanghai has a um area for the floating lanterns from Tangled, which anyone who knows me knows how obsessed I am with, um, now I see the light or I see the light, I'm sorry, from Tangled and it's very important to me and I love that scene and it makes me cry every time and I think it's beautiful and she had just texted me today and she's like oh, we're going to Tokyo Disney and we're going to Disney Sea and I was like oh, thank God, I thought I'd have to like really wrangle you into this and she's like, no, 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 we're going, we're going because this place looks way too cool It's super legit. I mean, and it's so just, they don't have a budget. <laughs> they didn't have a budget. They don't have a budget, so they can do whatever they want. <laughs> and then on the complete other side, that 
so Paris, Disneyland Paris is like literally just barely out of debt. And they're like, let's build a second park. Let's do it. Which, but I then think it was like, like an effort crap, to draw more people in. To draw more people in and yeah. get people to stay longer and stay in the hotels and stuff. Yeah. But, because they even said it's like a day. Yeah. It's a day park. You can do it on a but, day trip. So you have Walt Disney Studios Paris and they're thinking, oh, it can be like a shorthand where it feels like a studio. So you just have like these big boxy buildings that just say studio on it. And that's all you need because that's what it's really like. But people still want the fantastical version of a studio type deal. Right. And like it, it was bad enough to the point of just the weakest of theming. One of the Imagineers who wasn't on the team, like came out to visit just to take a look at it and like check it out and they didn't realize they were in the park oh yeah they were like so where where uh where's the entrance to the park oh no no no, we're here we we already passed through it wait what (laughs) which was basically like look like a strip mall it was bad and so once again like not great reviews and like the performance wasn't there and so they needed to kind of have another like big attraction to like salvage the park as a whole so they did kind of put in the little paris area in the ratatouille attraction (gasps) to just kind of save it and so the ratatouille attraction that they did kind of get to exercise and have some creativity in doing like um it's trackless this was the first time of the trackless vehicles oh my god that's so cool to do a whole attraction using that and so that was the first time they really did an entire attraction um, just in the trackless ride vehicles. And it gave you a lot of work with. And then that they worked with Pixar of getting new animation for it. And so that still is now that's like the most popular attraction in the whole park. And they're bringing it over to Epcot and everything there. But just the whole theme of that episode is just people can tell when we don't try. Yeah. Like that we're not, we're not doing it at our fullest capability. And so it really was kind of a trifecta of just disappointing openings. So you had, um, Disney's California adventure, you had Walt Disney studios, Paris, and the third disappointing opening, which kind of carries into the next episode is Hong Kong Disneyland, which they like barely had any attractions, which is, but that's, Okay, first we need to discuss, forget attractions. We need to talk about how Hong Kong was literally created on water. Yeah, and that there's so many issues with it. Of Then they, like, dug, like, they drained that area, and they found, like, there were, like, toxic sludge or something like that, just environmental issues that they had, and it was just a troubled start from the beginning. And then started having budgetary problems and at first the government was super excited about it but then closer they got to it like less cooperation there and it felt like like, a big disaster from the beginning and so they were saying of like culturally like the Chinese and Hong Kong market they like to see the value they're getting and so when you have like a map and everything everything's numbered so you just see the quantity of things that there are but like they had in those like the numbered things they had stuff like restrooms and drinking fountains numbered as like attractions that's not an attraction that's not real 
so there's like barely any rides and the castle is tiny because they've made it of like nostalgia they're like oh because of i think it was this was around the 50th anniversary or whatever they're like yeah in honor of that we're gonna like go back to our roots and do a small castle like the original and no you just didn't want to spend enough to make a like full-size castle like the other parks that you've done since like the 80s okay but, but can we talk about their version of the haunt their version of the haunted mansion or like because they didn't want to make they didn't want to redo everything that was being done in the other parks so they made this new attraction yeah, so they needed some uh, original stuff and so there's only one attraction that has that any is specific budget to hong all. kong that's specific that there's been more stuff but in opening that was specific We're right yeah in opening that's okay that looks so cool but Mystic Manor is the coolest thing. That's the and coolest so, thing I've ever seen. I'm sitting there watching that. I'm like, why don't... Well, no, 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 no. I want that. It's, it's interesting of... So, um, Chinese culture and part of like... And it's partly governmental basis stuff. They don't do like supernatural afterlife, like ghosts are a no-go. Like it's... Right. It's against not, their culture. They're, they're not down with that. And so that's where they couldn't do a traditional haunted mansion. So they're like, well, if we can't do that, but we still kind of want the vibe. And so it's basically that they kind of create this backstory for, um, I can't forget his first name, but it's something mystic. And then he has this little pet monkey. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's such a weird name. I'm looking it up. But basically that the house and things in it kind of come to life and it, it's more fantastical but it still has a little bit of like a spooky edge to it but not just like fully ghosts it's just of ooh, it's like it's alive but, but it looks so cool and like but they use like these br- like top of the line technologies for it oh it looks so cool and like they do like projections also and like the projection mapping and mm-hmm. And they got Danny Elfman to do, like, music for Which, it. Which, I mean, first and foremost, Danny Elfman is one of the best contemporary composers ever. If you've watched a Batman movie, if you've watched a Christopher Nolan movie, you've heard a Danny Elfman score. If you, yeah. Tim Burton, you've heard Danny Elfman. Yeah. You've heard Danny Elfman. Uh, Lord Henry Mystic. There we go. And his monkey, Albert. And so that was one where they're like, okay, we still got this. But because just the other stuff just didn't really have it, it was a disappointing opening. And so that was like the third disappointing park opening in a row. So it was just things were No one really showed up for it. We have to do better. And so it's a little funny in terms of how things are framed in in this whole thing of because this is one of the big properties right at disney like plus launch and we all know disney plus is kind of bob Iger's pet project so which i'm basically they've gotten into this critical point of just everything is terrible (laughs) it's all bleak and michael eisner leaves in disgrace and it's all terrible and so in comes the hero Bob Iger to bring back quality and save us from mediocrity. And but we do need to focus. If it weren't for Bob Iger, we would literally not still have Pixar. Yeah. Cause 
that's one of the things right away when looking at like some of the other parks of like one thing they noticed one right thing away we is- notice he was visiting i think it was hong kong of like looking at the parades the audiences weren't responding as much to the like classic disney characters they wanted pixar but the pixar ones folks went nuts for and Buzz, so woody still your classics like those were the ones that were super popular throughout and so the new generation really because now we're in like early 2000s which was kind of a down point for disney animation pixar's where it's at it was but they were very much on tenuous standpoint because michael eisner is a very big personality and steve jobs well we all know major well steve jobs is steve jobs steve jobs Um, there's no other way to it's steve jobs is steve jobs there are two different movies that can illustrate that correct take your your kutcher or your fassbender varieties pick one but doesn't matter they're telling the same story same deal so they weren't getting along and so steve jobs was like well when this contract is up we're done we're we're done you can kiss us goodbye and bob Iger was like Iger got to snoozing Oh, just that's not going to happen. No, no, no. We need to keep this. We, I understand how people are gravitating towards these characters. We need to keep Pixar. So he schmoozed and kind of got the relationship back on good terms, and then as soon, and so that kind of stable things for a little bit, and then as soon as financially they were in a place to do it, bottom because it's like we need Pixar for it was like what was it like six or seven billion. I, it's been a while since I watched the episode, but it was something like six or seven billion dollars. But they were huge figures. It was an astronomical figure. But like, could you? And as I'm watching this, I literally was texting my sister, and I'm like, "Could you imagine a Disney now without those Pixar characters? Like, we wouldn't have Toy Story Mania, and Toy Story Mania is one of the best new attractions." That there's just, there's so much in the parks and just of like Disney culture itself that is highly dependent on Pixar. We wouldn't so, have the bird show at Animal Kingdom with Russell. Who's delightful. And oh my God, I can't. I can't even talk about Up because I'm too emotional about Up still. And it's, it's like, I'm, I can't do it. But like, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have Toy Story Land. We wouldn't have Slinky Dog Roller Coaster. And so kind of getting back to it, um, one of once like Pixar had been acquired and all of that, one of the incorporations that they start getting going on is Cars Cars Land. Land. Because it's interesting that they really started this in late 2008, early 2009. So like right smack dab in the middle of the recession. Yeah. But Bob Iger knew of like, our reputation and just the quality that the Disney theme parks are bringing has decreased enough that we need to win back the general audiences and we need to put money into this so we don't lose more money. And so there's a big renovation that was done for California Adventure that got completed in 2012. And a big chunk of that is with Cars Land. Which he knew. He knew. He was like, all right, DCA needs a renew. Like, they need... It's not working. Like It's not working. That sun on that Ferris wheel was so 
utterly ugly. I can't even, I can't even describe it. So like seeing Mickey's face on there, so much better. Switching it out, putting Mickey on the, and replacing the, the sun wheel there. And then um, really just kind of bringing back. So you installed Cars Land and. Which is amazing um, looking, by the way. You redid, you took away the like the mini Golden Gate Bridge that was in the front. God, and you so kind ugly. of. You rethemed that whole front area. So, and it looks more what they like, were going for is it's it's the Hollywood that Walt first arrived at. Right, that's what 20s. I was saying. It looks like Hollywood Studios, like the entrance to Hollywood Studios. No, yeah, that it, it's very similar. Right, that's what. Like I looked at it and I was like, oh, Hollywood Studios, okay. But you have like Carthay Circle, which is gorgeous, and that all of this that the entrance is brought back, and. Cars Land is, like, because I don't really care about those movies. Li- like, little kids liked it, oh, and it's a cars. huge juggernaut as far as merchandising. I love cars. That we just pretend the second one doesn't exist, and... Yeah, we move on from that real fast. But it's a spectacularly done land. That It's... It's really beautiful. just kind of brings it all to light. It's just gorgeous. I remember once um, there were photos of us in it, and my mom had like one of the pictures was like her iPad background for a little bit, and one of her clients was like, "Oh, did your family go to Sedona?" And it's like, "No, we were in Cars Land." No, no, no. Just- and I love that when the woman is talking about it, and she's like, "We had to make it so that it blocks." The outside world, so that you yeah, are across there. Into that's it. like, so that's Catella and basically the Anaheim Convention Center, right? And, so like, they were like, we need to make cast. this mountain, this mountain facade, block, block all of that off. out, so it makes you believe you're where you're at. And I'm like, I mean, just that was so beautifully done. Like the detail, like the detail that went into painting those rocks. Yeah, because I was in college during this time, and so, but I was an annual pass holder. And the fun part is, I got to kind of see the progress as it came along as those mountains were built. Because what you would do is you would go on California Screaming, and just before the big drop, you just look over and check out what the construction is looking like as you're kind of going up the lift hill on the roller coaster. And so it was always fun just seeing like, these mountains kind of get in place and then that they're painted to look like the sandstone and like treated and everything there and then to actually just walk through it in this big scale and how they use force perspective that it's stunning it's totally what the park needed oh my god and it's just like i can't but and then radio so radiator springs racers is such a fun attraction and they it's, were trying to figure out what's the best way to do it for for cars but is it sim- basi- it's similar to test track no yeah so then they basically they were like let's kind of borrow from test track and just kind of kick it up a notch but like kind of use that ride system that's that's what fit best fits for the story and everything so it kind of starts as like a dark ride type thing where you kind of just go through and get to experience the vibe of the movie and everything and so there's like a you're getting ready for this big race so you get to see the town and so you either go to the tire shop or Ramones for a new paint job and then you get going on the race and that's what like brings you around super fast through all the area and there's hills and like steep turns and all of that fun stuff and 
it's always fun. It's still, like, to this, well, not this day, because the parks are closed, but, (laughs) yeah, but, um, like, still years later, like, this attraction's been around for five plus years now, and that it's still, like, crazy long lines. Like, I've always had to do single rider for it. Yeah. Always. And then, um, so that's great. Although the crown jewel in that DCA renovation in 2012 is, even though Happily Ever After is the most spectacular nighttime show, World of Color will always remain in my heart. That looks unbelievable. The first time I saw it, like, I, I wept. I've cried many a time during it. That it just, it's so stunning. And so you have, like, this water show where, like, the Disney animation is projected onto it. And you have, like, different other effects, like lasers and bubbles and fire and all this cool thing. And it's like a symphony in that you have these different movements that are different moods. And so you have, like, kind of the fun stuff. And then it, like gets a bit like lighter and then you have a bit more of like the like adventure to get you pumped through it and then you have like the crazy sad part that it's basically an in memoriam tribute to dead disney parents okay set to so it's set to so close the song like the slow dance song and enchanted oh my god that song is so beautiful and so underrated but we can't it, even discuss it's it beautiful until and will break you yes and so, like, that's the part that just, like, gets me every time. Because, and then, then they have just, like, the happily ever after part. And it's just, it's beautiful and just encapsulates so much of just Disney storytelling and what makes it unique and special. And what I love about Disney is in World of Color. We and love so, that. that's where that 2012, like, restoration really did do a lot and so the final episode of the show is really of just what we've done now of like in this modern age of so shanghai disney opens up in 2018 and which we have to discuss strictly how beautiful that is yeah that is the most incredible it's bigger and better bigger and better we have to go all out on this and they do and it's so the castle is enormous it's the biggest one mm-hmm. and there's like multiple decks there's like a like cinderella theme walking tour there's a restaurant in there there's just so much cool stuff oh yeah that is available for it and then like the attractions they they step it up so that's where you have like the tron roller coaster which <gasps> just looks so okay. cool okay i need to discuss the tron roller coaster for a second so i I, I guess I'm in the minority because nothing ever happened beyond it. But I guess I'm in the minority of people who, like, absolutely loved Tron Legacy. I thought it was incredible. I thought they did such a good job with it. I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. So when I heard that Disney Shanghai would be getting a Tron light cycle coaster, I threw my phone. And I texted No, I didn't text. I'm sorry. I called my best friend and I was like, we need to go to Shanghai. And he's like, I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? I go, no, no, no. You're not listening to me. We need to go to Shanghai because there's a Tron light cycle roller coaster. And he's like, okay, when do we leave? Because he's also obsessed with Tron. And we watching them build that 
and just seeing the structure and seeing like the where you sit in this oh my god my mind was blown and then when I found out when I was in Disney I didn't know it was coming to Disney World I saw it when I went to go ride Space Mountain I started screaming I was like oh my god oh my god we're getting a Tron roller coaster oh my god we're getting the light cycle roller coaster this is amazing the the look of the whole thing was just unbelievable and that's such like a look at what they can do now they can make it to look identical to a movie anything can be from a movie now you can be put yeah. into that world and that's the craziest thing ever and I and was just like and what did they say it was my favorite thing that he repeated a couple times it was like authentically inherently Disney authentically Chinese is that what he said yeah because like he's he repeated himself multiple times where he's like Bob Iger he said we wanted this park to be a Disney park but we needed to remember where we were and we needed to remember that it needed to be authentically Chinese so like if you look at the castle it's got like the flower it's got like a crown it's got all these things that are from China yeah there it's it's just it's so cool and and that's I, an important I love thing as far though. as the, the garden in the center <gasps> that, that garden the glass work those glass mosaics that went into oh it there's God. so much care and artistry that's put in that there are eight, it's insane there are eight mosaics and they're meant to be like picture spots and the, sh- and the woman who was head of shanghai she was like I can't even describe to you the work that's going into all of these. And these are the most incredible artisans. And this is just so amazing. And so, like, even the Imagineers are impressed by themselves. They're like, I can't believe we're making this. I can't believe this. And that they had, like, because it's very multi-generational. So they had this area where you have, like, so there's a little garden with, um, I think it's like a mazer, but then you have like a kitty carousel a and just like benches in like a rest area. So that's where like the older kids and the parents and stuff can go and enjoy the rest of the park, but that you can have a spot for like the grandparents to relax with the little ones and let them like play and enjoy it, that space. And so kind of keeping it to the culture, but creating something that's still like to Disney level of artistry and beauty mm-hmm. and just keeping it magical. And it's just, and I love the horses. I love the horses, the horses on the carousel. They were adorable. They They're the most just, adorable it, things, right? They were precious. Oh my God, that little purple one. Oh, he, oh, he was so cute. Because they were kind of like Fantasia-y. Yes! And then, and then the big thing, so any of the other parks throughout the world that have a Pirates of the Caribbean attraction is oh based God. off of the original from Disneyland. But this one's and brand so, new. Because they said that. So they said this they one didn't want. is instead of based off of the original ride, just because they, no one has like ties to it there to like the nostalgia of this ride from the late sixties. And so this is based off of the blockbuster movies, which and I ver- love that. Because they're like a pop culture thing unto itself. Well, I mean, the they integrated it into the rides here because they added Jack like Sparrow. Like they brought in Jack Sparrow and Barbosa. But that's but not it. Like, they still didn't change it really. I mean, they changed it to 
to, I mean, with the times, because they're like, oh, that story's a little crass. We can't really, we can't have that kind of storyline anymore with the way society has become woke, in a but sense. But it's still like a dark ride, and it's still the spirit of, because it is the last attraction that Walt got to work on when he's yeah. alive. So I don't think it'll ever change no. that much past it in Disneyland, at the very least. No. They can change it in Disney World, because that one's an abomination anyway, because... I mean, it's seven minutes shorter than the original, so it. But it's just like, and not they had only a deadline. Not well, yeah, but not only did they make this new version of it with characters but for in the Shanghai, movie, it, it's just it's it's fantastic. And they made it so like they made it more in. I don't want to say interactive, but more. What's the word I'm looking for? Because it's not necessarily more interactive. It's still a water ride. Immersive. Immersive. There we go. Thank you. It's Sunday. Leave me be. So, it's. It is. It's more immersive. You but know what I mean? this is once again like a groundbreaking ride system. And so very much like a trackless vehicle, but for the boats that through like it magnets spins, and everything, no? like it, it, it's able to spin yeah. and it can go backwards and it can turn and it can do these tilts to make you feel like you're sinking and have like really get you like immersed in the adventure. And right. so that, thank you. Thank it, you it's that. awesome. Thank you for reminding me. And so like Shanghai opens to huge success. And so they're back at it. I do kind of love a little bit that they just kind of write it off of like, so Bob Iger went on a like franchise, like IP spending spree. And it's like, yes. So just spending like billions and billions of like, he bought Marvel. He bought this. Oh, I know. He bought bought Lucasfilm. Disney taking over the world. Yeah. But I will say, but I will say I cried because again I cry a lot I cry especially in terms of Disney which is why I couldn't talk about up earlier because it just makes me cry the whole time but they're they show Bob Iger giving the speech opening Disneyland Shanghai and splicing it with the speech that Walt gives when they open Disneyland and I just started Megan crying. you're breaking up a little bit you'll oh. have to repeat that oh am I oh I'm so sorry um I will say that I got very upset I mean, I cry all the time. I cry a lot. As we've established. As we've established. That's why I couldn't talk about Up earlier. But I cried when they were splicing the speech between Bob Iger opening Shanghai and Walt opening Disneyland because he made it very similar. And then just like for him to add at the end, like when Walt says thank you, he says she she. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Is it's like inherently Disney but authentically Chinese. Oh my god! Oh my god! I got very emotional and cried. And it's just seeing like the progress and everything of how that comes out. And so like they're kind of back on success. And so now getting to now that we've kind of had success internationally, we need to really start making these home parks in the U.S. like bringing some truly great stuff in there. So now, now that, that he that acquired Marvel. It up in, what did he do? Well, so, like, they acquire Marvel, and they do Guardians Mission Breakout, and that's another, like, Joe Rody of, of like, well, how do I basically reskin, and, like, you already have an existing ride system, because how we're keeping do I make the bare it bones. different? We're keeping the bare bones of Tower of Terror in Disneyland. Yeah. But we need but something new. We need something new, and keeping it fresh, and... 
so I love the analogy that it just it totally makes sense because it is a totally different vibe when you're writing it of it's kind of like when you have like a little baby and that you kind of just like throw them up a little bit and then but like only just bit and catch them and it's just like kind of like giggly feeling because that's what they said they said instead of that like spooky scary atmosphere it's just kind of like light and fun and you get like you still have the dad rock soundtrack and <laughs> like new clips from the actors in the movie and it's super fun. I really enjoy it. I know there were some people there was rioting in the streets and all of that when they took away Tower, but they I think they really did tr- create something truly awesome with it and we still have the original in Florida. So it's not the, right. the end of the world. But and then yeah. let's think about it. It's like when we're bringing it back to the first episode, or not the our first episode, but the first three episodes of this imaginary story, when Kim said people were rioting when they found out I was adding in characters. But then they wrote it, and they were like, oh, we had so much fun looking for it. So I feel like it's the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, just chill. Or they're, just wait till like, you write it, please. They create great stuff. And so, like, just to, like, trust in their capabilities and all of that, because... At this point, I know the trust was broken a little bit in like that early 2000 period, but these folks are back on a roll at this point. And it's one of those of just, speaking of just trusting the brilliance of Imagineers, I love that they frame that they're talking, um, one of the producers for the the documentary is talking with Joe Rody, and she's like, has there ever been a project that you were assigned that weren't spectacularly excited about? And he's like, yeah, totally. So, like, World of Avatar, of just, I got this, and so this stuff does take years and years of development, this, but... They started in 20, what, 16? Like, um... Or did it open in 2016? When... It opened in 2016. Okay, so, so been... it was, like, yeah, so around that, like, 2012 kind of time frame, yeah. so it's been a few years since Avatar came out, like, there's been rumors of a sequel but it's not happening yet but they're trying to incorporate it in the parks and james cameron wants it and james and so uh, and again we're talking about strong personalities james cameron personalities is a strong personality and he's like you know what forget a sequel you know what we're gonna make a park instead well not necessarily it just further delayed while he was working on the technology because there's still technically five avatar sequels on disney slate oh i know over the next few years but let's focus on the fact that whether they actually happen is a whole nother conversation for a different day right and but james cameron had to create this basically of just joe's like how do i do this thing off of the, just this one movie and like there's like it doesn't have a lot of like rich ties that like people are super into it of just the yeah i didn't i don't he like wasn't avatar. as familiar like excited about it it's Pocahontas about blue people. But right, but I never... Then, too, like, they're trying Avatar. to, like, tie in the lore of these sequels that haven't happened yet. So, like, Pandora the World of Avatar takes place hundreds of years after the original film. Yeah. Which is insane. But besides that, I truly think of what they were able to co- accomplish with this, the cultural cachet and, like, iconography for the Avatar franchise is going to be with the parks, mm-hmm. not the actual films of what it was based off of. And so 
um, Joe Rudy just dives in. He does the research of like starts talking with James Cameron, and they actually do kind of hit it off of that their weirdnesses kind of mesh <laughs> well with each other. Mm-hmm. And so looks at the concept art and all of that. Starts doing sketches, and then like again kind of looks goes on at more some similar trips. like goes on some research trips of like the concept of like the floating mountains how to do that and kind of seeing similar looking stuff in nature that they're not so they like went to china floating, for that but it like plays with the eyes so it went to china for that and just got to kind of explore around and see how you can make this happen and just that it does kind of have to feel completely foreign right and just exotic and he's able to pull it off. I When I was watching them build, like, the infrastructure, you look at it, you look at the finished product, and you look at when they're building it, and you're like, wait, th- no way. There's no way that it looks like that underneath because it looks so incredibly natural, and it looks so just beautiful and you're like, how, how, how? And then they talk about how they wanted to use Pandora to be something that they bring into, they bring Animal Kingdom into the nighttime. So Pandora is a planet full of bioluminescent plants. So what do they do? They create all of these plants um, all throughout Pandora that are supposed to be like filled with bioluminescence. And they created this new technology of lighting to make it look like it was like sort of I don't know alive I guess and they use all these projection systems to bring bioluminescence onto it's the mountain yeah, so some of it's practical some of it's projection yeah and you have all of this stuff in there that just makes it like it's stunning and gorgeous to walk through and oh, so absolutely the first couple the first time I visited Pandora the lines were too crazy for me to even do the attraction. So I just kind of walked around and just got to like experience mm-hmm. it. And so it is kind of funny. Anything with like Joe Rody attractions usually have a ton of plot. Right. And so if you're into theme parks, that's kind of a fun thing to like dive into of just because the plot is kind of arbitrary. Like it's not necessarily needed, but so then it's just kind of funny that there's there's an insane amount of lore that is attached to this i know and so there's like navi language things that the cast members had to learn and that they don't get to use like normal disney bags in the shops and right and they also they can't have people walking around in the suits so what do they do because they're supposed to be eight feet tall and there's no physical possible way that anyone could be in these suits so how do we do that and so they but i I love what they've done with, like, the people who walk around in the park because they're, like, they're doing, you know, playing instruments and it's really fun and they're utilizing everything that's in the area, which, again, like... the vibe, and so, and then there's two main attractions that are in this area. Which I've only rode one. You have Navi... So, Navi River Journey. Which is what I've ridden. mm -hmm, That it's just very, just atmospheric of just getting to see, like, the cool plants and, like, the creatures and stuff and that it's like a fun little thing to go through who said it when they were like crazy who said it when they were talking about it where they said i think it was a woman and she said it is a very um 
different type of theme park ride because the whole point of the Navi River Cruise is to be zen and appreciate the area around you and everything that you're looking at. It's such a different ride for a theme park. I can't remember who said it, but that's what she said. She said, it's a very different type of ride where the whole point of the ride is to just be zen. And so it is just super relaxing it and all is. that. And then Music. the start of it is, so then you do have this Navi animatronic, that <gasps> the Shaman of Songs, that is insane. It freaked that. me out. It freaked me out when they're just standing there with like the head and showing what how it can move just its faces. The, like, <gasps> oh my God. I was just like, oh my God, that's to like when they, what's fun is they bring it back to the first animatronic with Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln of just how it's like sort of lifelike, but it's still very robotic. And right, but and now you look at it compared of like to the motors that are used for that now are like the size of your pinky nail. And like how and it's so rudimentary now, in comparison to what they have at Pandora. Yeah. And so now there's like, there's several motors in just like the face of it to create like the same movements of like facial muscles and that singing and expression and like and they use like the having facial expressions that carry emotion and just this very fluid movement it's so crazy how fluid it is and lifelike and then they use that same technology that james cameron created for the original avatar film for like the mocap to yeah and translate that into um the animatronics and so it is one of the most fantastic animatronics i've ever it's, seen it's unreal and the way and they talk about it for like a good i want to say like at least 10 to 15 minutes where they talk about all the science and all of the mathematics that went into it and creating it and how they make it so that it is so much and how if it's just off just enough it doesn't sell it and it's just so fascinating to see what they did to create that It's incredible. And then, but the star attraction is um, Flight of Flight Passage. Of passage. See, Vako, y'all, rise to the challenge. <laughs> um, um, but it's just, it's so cool. Um, I've, I got to experience this one last month when I went to Disney World, and it was my first time going on. And um, I did not because the line was way I too had, long the whole time. So, um, I have a friend who has a disability, and so we got to go through that entrance. So, I did cut through most of the queue, which is a bummer because it is a very immersive queue. But, um, just getting to go, like, right on, and that it's so much fun that... I do kind of laugh a little bit that, like I was saying, insane amount of lore, that the pre-show is like eight minutes long <laughs> of just this like, do, um, I highly recommend if, if you've been liking these past two episodes, check out Podcast the Ride. It's super fun and their Flight of Passage of episode is hilarious. But um, as far as getting to like experience that in person, but the big thing is um, this is kind of the next evolution of the technology they first figured out with Soren, and so that you do kind of have the like the tiered like Riding platforms system. of yeah. guests that kind of have that flight motion, but instead of being like strapped in in like this hang glider thing, you're actually because it's the avatar that you're connected with this thing called a banshee, which mm-hmm. is just kind of this flying beast, but 
what they do, you kind of straddle it like you're on like a horse saddle, essentially. And, but with like that, you actually get to feel like there's pulsing, like, like it's an animal that's breathing underneath you. And so you feel like that while you're like sitting on just the, like the ride vehicle. And then you have these visuals that just take you through these just exotic and fantastical vistas of this fictional planet. But it's this perfect blend of you have moments that are exhilarating, but then you have moments that are just completely serene. And so apparently like James Cameron up like the first pass of it, they're like, it's too thrilling. It's too jarring. You're not getting to like just savor the visuals and yeah. all of that. And so he was like, slow it way down. And they kind of like met halfway of kind of having a mix of it where you have your thrill moments of like swooping in and like kind of these tight turns and things. But then you do have moments of just kind of lightly soaring through or just kind of pausing in a particular zone of just in- enjoying scenery and like scents get pumped in and that kind of thing to just like bring yourself into it. And so it is a super cool experience that um, the line for this still gets crazy. It opened in 2016 to a lot of great success and it's still to the <laughs> point where the fast passes go like that. And oh. um, if you're doing park opening, it gets to like long lines within just the first hour of the park oh. being open. Oh, no, no. And so you- It's not even the first hour of the park being open. We went for extra magic hours and we got, the- we walked into the park at 7.50 when the park opens at 8 for extra magic hours. And I, our plan was to go straight to Pandora and I looked at my sister and I said, go on the app and tell me how long it is of a wait for flight of passage. And she said, it is 75 minutes. And I said, we are not doing that right now then because the park had not even fully opened yet and the wait was 75 minutes. But I would say as far as anything under like two, two and a half tops, but it's a great enough attraction that it is worth that long wait. And so cannot recommend it highly Not enough. if you have a five-year-old. And so... True. <laughs> That's why we did not wait. We had a five-year-old with us. Kids does bring a whole other element into it, and I don't have experience with that. But he so did get his face that. painted to be a... Um, oh, God, what kind of warrior is it called? Oh, my God, I don't know, because I've never watched Avatar. Navi? Or- it's like a... Oh, I don't know. It's kind of an it's it's part of the resistance and avatar. Made up word. Yeah, yeah. And so okay. he looked like that, and he loved it, and he loved Pandora. And I got one of those like that like sickly sweet drink that they have with the boba tea in it. Yeah. yeah. I got a really intense headache from all the sugar, but it was really delicious, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. There we go. I'm fine. And so shortly after Pandora, the kind of the biggest undertaking and project that Imagineering has done in modern times. Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge. Because they had to, fi- first they had to figure Star out, Wars once Edge. they've acquired Lucasfilm, everyone freaks out and is like, oh, we get to do so much with Star Wars now. But oh my God, we have to do it right. So they had all the Star Wars, all the Star Wars of, but what are we Right, and they had do? to figure and out which planet like, was going to work. It's too big to like... And so they were kind of like, are we going to do like a planet that's already in this and looking at all this stuff and just there's so much in the world of Star Wars to choose from, but they're like, we need to make this a new thing because you can't just like put it on Tatooine or, and, Hoth. or something like that it, or Hoth or 
like these things that people right. are super familiar with because then it does date itself to a specific point in time in the star wars universe and so like this is just a very like unique pocket and so you're on the planet batu and that you're at black spire outposts this is kind of like the location that this is in and you really get to immerse yourself in the world of star wars in the market and the shops and the restaurant and the attractions there and they outdid themselves i've now experienced galaxy's edge on both coasts and it's truly incredible of the scenery and just the overall vibe that it doesn't even like you forget that you're in a that, and that was the whole point they were like we just, want you to look around every corner and still feel like you're there and f- not realize that you're still inside a disney park we want you to be you have space cokes it's the best <laughs> thing ever that even the like the soda is branded to star wars where it's like the logos in like the star wars language and that kind of type and so once again they kind of did their research of you know you it still has to be like foreign and like enough that you feel like you're on this different planet but still kind of grounded in reality and so for this marketplace area they kind they of went, went to the to, grand bazaar like, in the istanbul big, the grand bazaar in istanbul and he wanted it to have a certain smell just of that there's so many like smell and stimuli and just so much going on um in like every little nook and cranny and corner of it and just that it feels ancient and that there's so much history in life and, and they wanted it to feel like that, that when you went there's to parts that are a little grimier and yeah and you totally feel it in everywhere that you're at and so um galaxy's edge first opens with that the only attraction smugglers is run. smugglers run upon first opening and so everyone knew of like we have to do something with because that's the Falcon first thing everyone says when they say if you could be in star wars what would you want to do well i'd want to ride the millennium falcon Millen- millennium falcon who doesn't want exactly. to ride the millennium falcon and and so once again this is kind of one where like it's cool because sometimes they get to really push themselves and create new things but sometimes they're like well we created this awesome thing last time but what we can kind of take that foundation of it and just step it up to another level. And so you kind of have similar technology to start to mm-hmm. But first off, so to deal with like crowd capacity and everything. So everyone feels like it's just them and their party that's on the Falcon. Because it's a five seat. So there's like. Oh, six. I'm six. so sorry. So it only seats six people. And so, but there's three like cockpits basically, but it's on a turntable. So you just keep rotating through so everyone gets to feel like it's just them Which that's on it. Which is the coolest thing And ever. it's so cool. And so you have these different positions. So you have two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers. And so it kind of has almost like a video game aspect to it. Of There's definitely like skill. Well, yeah. And that's what they said. They worked with that enhances a your video game company to create this. And it was one of those things, too, of the technology was just so ahead that it was down to the wire where they're talking to one of the head Imagineers for the attraction. And they're like, yeah, opening is like in six weeks. Yeah, and we and have not um, it's figured like, it all out yet. It's it, it's kind of working. mostly working. Like, it's, <laughs> it's mostly working, but no, it's not fully We haven't worked it all yet. out yet. 
we're, we're going to figure out. We, we have a little bit of time, but like literally opening is almost there. And they're like, yeah, no, we still have problems. Like, but every day will be a new problem that we will address and we will, we will figure, figure it, out. it out. And, but what I love about it too is in the simulator, you get to like feel like the motion and mm-hmm. all this cool stuff that you're doing. But he's, here's the key with those visuals you don't have to have 3D glasses on, which I cannot stress as a person. And also as a person who wears glasses. That that makes the attraction so much better and more fun and more accessible to more people. And so I will say, I've had to do single writer every single time that I've wrote it so far. And like, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed myself, but you will definitely enjoy it more if you are with like a party or of three mm-hmm. or more to have like your friends and family with you to like enjoy the experience right. together is that's what's really facilitated in this. And so I highly recommend trying it out with like a big group because if you can have a group of six people to like all do the positions together that uh, it would be so much fun to do. But I, I've enjoyed it. So single rider, they'll always put you in like engineers, kind of the chillest position, like the least amount of buttons that you have to push and you're not participating as much as like the pilot steer and the gunners like shoot the pew 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 lasers and stuff. And so those are definitely kind of, let's, let's be real, they're the like funner positions to be in, but it's still super fun if you're an engineer. And so definitely recommend it, but like just because there was so much hype with Galaxy's Edge 2 since it was the only thing that was open like there was a little bit of backlash where they're like is this it but no the problem is they just needed more time is so a few months basically six months after the park opens you get Rise of the Resistance which is their they talk about they're like this is our most ambitious attraction ever 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 so it's four ride systems, which is unheard of. No, totally unheard that of. That you have practical effects, you have projection mapping, you have animatronics, you have um, like simulator stuff. I was going to say you have an elevator drop. Situation. Yeah, so an elevator bringing you up, and then there's an elevator drop, and that. So, and on a trackless ride vehicle and so many moving parts and it's all put okay together. i'm really and, here for like the trackless um, rides the trackless is revolutionary it's just it's so cool um i've ridden it i have not because it is very difficult to get on very difficult too so basically we're still at the point um when when the parks reopen and you'll get to experience this you get to the park right at opening and literally the second that it hits eight o'clock or whenever the you can get open, your you open your my your my disney experience app you get a get on a boarding group and that'll let you know when and if you're guaranteed to ride the attraction otherwise your boarding group will be called depending on if there's any malfunctions or delays that push things out but what's nice about it is they do this so then that way there's not like a five hour wait or something crazy like that because comparatively when Hagrid's open at Universal (sighs) there was a 10 hour wait and the thing with Hagrid is that there's still some days where it's six seven hour wait which is crazy so 
I, I like the queue yeah. system. Like the virtual queue is actually kind of nice. So then you do get to enjoy the rest of your day. So I was crazy. I flew out specifically. So I did a solo trip solely just to do this attraction. And so my flight, I landed into Orlando at 1 a.m. I got to my friend's house at 2 um, I wanted to look cute for my Disney day, so I got up at four. So we're talking like, so that was yeah. two hours of sleep. And so then um, I get, so I get to the park at 6 a.m. And well, first off, I had to drop my like bags off at the hotel I was staying at the next night before and so I wanted to get to the park as soon as possible and so there were shuttle buses going from the Pop Century Resort to the parks but it was taking too long so I called an Uber took me straight to Hollywood Studios so they just dropped me off right at the front and so I was literally the first person there I know I loved getting that picture I'm like I'm sorry you're what yeah they it it was kind of extra and so um because apparently the previous day they had changed the park opening from it had been 7 a.m for the past few weeks and they changed it at 8 a.m they're like you know it got moved to 8 right and i'm like yeah i, I, know. I know i know what i'm and about son I know, I know what i'm about son i know and so i basically stood there for about an hour once it hit 7 a.m they let people inside the park ground so i booked it to the first ride i wanted to do it was rope dropping for slinky dog dash so um, Toy Story Land super fun. It's, it's just a lot so of sweet cute. stuff. It's so cute. I love it so it, it's much. Precious. I love it so much. And like Slinky Dog is but such a good ride. Getting into the Chronicles here. That so literally the first person in that area. So I had cast members like take a picture because instead of having like a rope, they just have a wall of like people because then people won't like push past that. I know you sent me and, that picture, and I'm like, I'm. So, where are all the people? You're like, oh no, there are none. So, because I booked it, because I'm, I'm a very much a fast walker, and so did that, and eventually, like, people caught up to me, but did that, eight o'clock rolls around, my app freezes for a second, so I have to refresh, and so I got, like, boarding group 69, and it's groups one through 63 are guaranteed to ride it, and anything else is, we'll see. So I was like, I've done all this, and I don't <laughs> even know if I'm guaranteed so I'm freaking out and but still it's kind of pretty soon after I had fast passes for like other rides in the park that kind of thing and so um went through the fast passes so it was still enough time but because of the awesomeness that is the Skyliner <gasps> I can't even talk about how amazing the Skyliner is this is my favorite thing on the planet game changer the best transportation in the parks that they that came out last year Literally, I had someone tell my it. sister and I that so, it was be- it wasn't as good as the bus system, and I was like, then we rode it, and we were like, was that was that girl no, okay? Because what are you talking about? This is the most incredible thing ever. Because at most you're paired like it's six people maximum. So if it's like just you or like just you and one other person, you may have the gondola to yourself. At most, it's with like up to like five other people we rode with you. two other people so, once and we rode it a lot over the course of that week yeah and so 
Like, that way it's just nice and quiet. Those quiet moments in Disney World Ugh. are huge. But getting back to the story, so took the Skyliner so that way I could have lunch at Epcot and enjoy my beloved fish and chips. At There's UK no better Pavilion. food in Epcot than UK's fish and chips. And so, quick tip for anyone who's going to do this, if you are venturing outside of the parks, it's just recommended to get back to Hollywood Studios and kind of close to the Galaxy's Edge area once um, it's within, like, ten numbers of your mm-hmm. group being called. So, so I was group 69, so as soon as I finished lunch, it was group 59 was what was being called, so I was like, oh, perfect. So, headed straight on over. I got basically right onto Star Tours. Favorite um, ride. Did that, and then it was rad. Um, getting to experience it with the Rise of Skywalker ending. But um, then I get to experience this. And y'all. <laughs> I'm going to reveal as little as possible because there are some fantastic surprises that are involved. And so I want you to get to experience those on your own. If you are like me and you love spoilers um you can do that on your own don't um i recommend in in that case looking at ride videos because they do kind of capture a lot of the like just the scale in the detail of it that you do feel like you're literally and we do need to mention though before anything is that this is a long ride it's not like a five minute ride yeah so this is a 15 minute attraction which is insane and what's cool about it is the theming is so like committed and intense that even the cast members working the attraction are a part of it. So in the beginning, the first um, cast members that you talk to, um, they're going to be like part of the resistance and they're like, go, 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 you got to do this mission and like Ray sending you to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And so that's part of it. But then you get captured by the first order and the cast members that are like first order officers they are living for it and (laughs) it's great and so they're just kind of like snarky and snooty and mean and just kind of fantastic and so I was by myself so this like really nice family from Pennsylvania just kind of like adopted me so when it got to like how many people are in your party they said five instead of four which was really sweet (laughs) but uh, that's so cute so because at that point we had experienced this together and so we were in it but basically that you're like sent in for interrogation and so um i won't consider this a spoiler because it's in like literally all of the promo images so once you're brought onto the first order ship you immediately the doors open and you're in full scale basically it's like an airplane hangar that this building is huge and the entire like wall is this super like high-tech screen so you can barely tell it's a screen of just getting to see space is just right outside and like ships flying around and that kind of thing but there is just lines and lines of stormtroopers just kind of like watching you and it is silent and so some of the stormtroopers are just like mannequins that are still but then you have some that are animatronics that like move and are watching you because at first you think they're all still and then you see one turn their head and like motion for you to move and you're just like oh (laughs) my gosh and 
then you're basically the rest of the attraction is just escaping from the first order and so you have like animatronics from kylo ren and that he's chasing you and at one point you get to like see his lightsaber kind of stab the wall like the door and like start to cut it down and it's just like the perfect amount of tension but it's fun and like even if you have like little kids it's not too scary for them and so they'll but it's just so thrilling and it's the now cumulatively between these past two episodes we've talked about theme parks for the past four hours yeah so you get that we know like we know these parks we love them dearly um this is so I say this in full confidence. This is the best theme park attraction I've ever been. And on. that's what a lot of people have full said. Yeah. It's great. And so I won't talk about it more of just that. Don't want to reveal more than that. But it's just, it's so cool. It is so cool that this, they outdid themselves. And so this is the culmination, honestly, of what they were able to do with this like getting to watch all six episodes and how they've developed and just building on each other of just innovating and this creativity and just but also like the science brilliance of it and how all of that comes together to because if a story. when they're showing it they're showing just how much of a tech yeah how, how much, much of a technology into shift goes into it and so this is this is the pinnacle of what that can achieve oh absolutely and so how they top that i don't know but they're and gonna so that's kind of that's the cool that's that's the cool note that this whole thing ends on it's just like where do we go from here that this is the future and we'll just we'll keep creating and we'll keep pushing ourselves and keep doing awesome things and so the last little visual they give is a bit of a sneak peek that they were working on animatronics that work with the marvel characters that are just so filled with movement that to make them believable they're they're going to have to move so much more than any animatronics ever done and so now they have what they call stuntronics that they're animatronics that are able to literally be like catapult launched and do flips in the air and like like properly land and everything and so oh my god that was the craziest thing ever when they were showing like the test runs of that it was insane i thought it was a computer simulation showing like like at first you just see that they're in like the back lot and it's like okay so they're working out stuff with like people and people moving and i'm thinking it's just gonna like walk around or something and then all of a sudden you just see it like fly through the air and And, like the way it like it, it like moves through the air how it like suddenly goes into like a jumping position and like that you know the way it's gonna land you're just like I don't I don't know how to process what I'm seeing (laughs) and so um now that more information has been released on it the stuntronics have actually been led um Grant Imahara from Mythbusters has um joined the Imagineers to work on this project oh m goodness so that's why it's it's that awesome and so a few weeks after the last episode of the imagineering story aired they did get to reveal yeah that animatronic we showed you that's going to be spider-man i believe that though so hard just like it is it's we're gonna actually get to see like actual spider-man and this is the perfect way to do it to get that thrill and to fully experience it but not have a stunt performer so you don't have like spider-man turn off the dark (laughs) situations (laughs) 
because that would like traumatize guests if spider-man breaks a leg give me all the tom holland realness though because you know he's gonna do all the voiceover stuff because they got all of the so they they did confirm so all the guardians um, did before all before all the corona stuff they did confirm that it is going to be tom holland that is featured in the spider-man attraction in adventures campus so they got him before he has to go back to sony and so that way he'll be immortalized in the attraction as peter parker which just makes me really happy so whatever happens from this point he's on the ride so that means he is my i mean but tom holland is just the perfect spider-man he is he's just he's peter and he's precious and and literally the only time besides puppies that i get a maternal instinct wait so how did you feel when there was that video from the colbert report or not the colbert report the um stephen colbert show where tom holland was holding puppies that that's a lot to process a lot to process but back to imagineering that i'm just i'm super excited to see what they do and so and the spider-man attraction isn't even going to be like the main star that it's they're saying like that's going to be the smuggler's run of avengers campus and so there's an avengers e-ticket it doesn't have a name yet because it's not going to be in the first round of the the land being Mm. open and so it's going to be a couple years after that so i'm they're estimating that for 2023 so it's just the future looks i agree and imagineering is just super inspiring and i i loved watching every minute absolutely of this. every and minute so, cried a bunch normal totally unstable cried a bunch and so now that this kind of chronicles like the history and everything i hope disney plus has future specials so kind of like so back in like the eisner years you know they used to do like wonderful world of disney specials on mm-hmm. like new attractions and that kind of thing so i hope they do kind of that same situation for on disney plus and so because i want to hear more from the imagineers and so maybe just like a deep dive on one single attraction and so maybe some of the ones that didn't get to get covered in this and so like going through all of that and so I hope there's more imaginary content that's featured on the streaming service because this was spectacularly done and just a fantastic like as a film series to watch but also just to get that peek behind the curtain and so I loved it highly recommend if you are going to be stuck at home for the next couple mm-hmm. weeks check you got out. the time recommend that bench y'all got the time so it's time to Disney Plus and chill. True and facts, so, true facts. True facts. And so thanks again for joining us for another big section of fangirling about theme parks because this is a special episode of um, from the time that I came up with the idea for this podcast. I, I knew we were going to have to talk about the Imagine I mean, it's story. Just, so it's perfection. I'm, I'm happy we got to do it. And so once again, check out our Instagram on at one Same on Twitter. Stream, and then you can also check out... Um, same on Twitter so give us a follow we appreciate it and that way as far as give us a like or a share um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Spread the um, word man. Share it to your friends and family we appreciate it spread that word and so um, since I know this is kind of a brief foray into like the theme park side of the Disney community um, hopefully you check out just us talking about the other titles um that are available on streaming plus and um, next week we're going to be talking about star girl which i'm so, so excited about because i loved that book that and so i never read the book so i'm going in completely blind so we'll have some 
differing takes and so that always makes things exciting and so thanks again for listening to us and y'all have a great day um wash Wash all your hands twice wash it 20 seconds sing a song all right (laughs) sing a song Bye. bye bye